Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls, your questions, your text messages today. Enrique is helping us with producing the show today, so you'll call the number 303-690-3000, and Enrique will uh, answer and process the call for on the air, and we'd love to have you call. Great. A couple things uh, to start off the show. One of them is uh, that uh, a, a, a couple of things. Uh, let me sort them out in my head here. Number one, welcome everyone listening around the country, uh, live on on the Radio by Grace Network, ra- live on the Grace FM Network, uh, live on gracefm.com and the Grace FM app. Be sure to download it for free. Uh, you can stay you can stay in touch with us, but you can also download any of the networks that we're on uh, and have all the apps and and have a steady stream of the Word of God at your fingertips on your phone and on your tablet device. Uh, so you can download. I mean, I would encourage you just download our church app that that also has the uh, Grace FM stream on it. Uh, just put my name, Ed Taylor, in your search engine and our app will pop up. Uh, but you can also put Grace FM. Make sure you there's a lot of, um, and I haven't seen this with the other apps yet, but I know with ours, uh, there's a lot of imposters that are stag- snagging our, um, at least we found at least two on the Apple Store. And I don't know if Kevin ever checked on Android, but they're stealing our stream and then selling you ads. We do not do ads at all um, on our app, on our website, or on, on the air. I mean, we're a non-commercial station, but we don't do ads. Uh, and so we keep reporting these guys, but I guess it's somehow, I guess it's legal. I don't know. Um, doesn't seem pr- pretty legit. Um, but nevertheless, uh, don't download a fake one. Download the one that says Colorado and you'll see it. Ours is high quality. You'll see it. Uh, download the help FM, download the truth FM, download the radio by grace, uh, have them all available, put them in their own little folder and you can switch through all the different teachers. Uh, We have some overlapping of teachers and we also have some different teachers. uh, And I know it'll encourage you throughout the day. Uh, So welcome everyone. You guys on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, which would be Calvary Chapel, Meridian, Idaho. Uh, You're listening to this a one week delayed. Secondly, while we're waiting for your calls, and I'm not going to see them because my call screen is not up. Uh, So let me pull it up here. Um, this is not a program to argue, and we'll, so we won't argue. And you don't be surprised if the call screener cuts you off before you ever get on the air if you're going to argue. Uh, we're, and we won't. Uh, and yesterday we had some controversial questions with a lot of disagreement, and I know that a couple people wanted to argue. We just we 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 aren't going to perpetuate division. We do appreciate differing viewpoints. And certainly can talk biblically about things, but we won't uh, we won't argue, uh, and it won't it just won't happen. This isn't AM talk radio. It's not political radio. It's 
It's edifying, encouraging, pastoral, uh, and and it and we just won't let the show go that way. So I, I I know that it probably doesn't apply to most of the listeners, but for you guys that just like to argue, or you know, we had a brother the other day started off a call and he was just trying to trick me. Um, you know, I should catch those things earlier, but he got all the way through where he really wasn't genuine. You know, just don't do it. Call somewhere else or don't do it at all. I mean, I don't want to pan you off on some other show. Just don't do it at all. Walk in the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. There are are great needs of people listening. There are kids listening. There, there are. I talked to a woman today, a precious, precious mom whose son is in stage four cancer and had to be rushed to the hospital last night. I, 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 I can go on and on of the needs that. The, the the difficulties, the divorces and child custody issues and hospice care, uh, on and on. We're, we want to be a, a place where we can encourage one another. Uh, we can answer questions for sure, um, but we want to encourage one another and not argue. Just keep that in mind. 303-690-3000. Let's start in Denver here. Sky's on the line. Sky, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, What's going on? I, I just had a question. Um, it's actually in regards to the end times and revelation. Um, okay. For the 144,000 that God speaks of getting his seal on their, their foreheads and being caught up into heaven before yep. he lets out any of his wrath on the earth, my yes. question is, is, do you believe, based on what the scripture says, that God's people may still remain on the earth during the end times and there may be a um, still group of people on the earth who love God and, you know, have lived for Jesus that still have to endure and will have to see all of the, all of the things that, that God is going to do on the earth before making it into heaven. Yeah, that's a great question um, because there's a couple ways to answer that. Um, number one, we, we believe, so as I understand eschatology and the study of end times prophecy, I believe in what's known as a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of the church, of true believers, that the church will be raptured up. It'll be an extremely cataclysmic event. It will usher chaos and confusion in the world for a short time. And then shortly after that, there will be uh, the Antichrist uh, will come on the scene in some way and bring peace, calm for three and a half years. And then three and a half years later, great turmoil will happen and uh, the ha- midway through the tribulation period you know it'll get intensified in God's judgment upon those on the earth uh, and and so uh, that's the general the general answer however the question there's a there's a couple of questions that that begs and that is you know when you're reading in revelation when Jesus is talking to the church and, you know, he has those seven letters to the church. Are you familiar with those? Are you with us still, Scott? Yes. Yeah, can you hear okay. me? Okay. Now I can. Do you know the, you know about the seven letters in Revelation? Hello? Uh, yep, I can't hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, so let's try one more time. You know the seven letters in Revelation? Are you familiar with them? Yes, I am. Those notes from Jesus, one of the viewpoints of those seven churches is they kind of make up the wholeness of the church, not just epics and church history, but the wholeness of the church. And some of the churches represented in Revelation are not walking with the Lord. 
Um, Some of them are not ready for his soon return. Some of them Mm -hmm. are in rebellion. And, uh, you know, especially when you when you think of the lukewarm church of Laodicea, um, Mm -hmm. they're in a bad position. So the question is, would some believers or could some believers, Christian, New Covenant, bought by the blood of Christ, Christian church believers be left behind? You might be surprised by my answer, but I say yes. Maybe, maybe God leaves some of the church behind because of they, at the rapture, they're living in rebellion and they're not ready. And they're like the the unwise virgins that didn't have their oil, their lamps uh, prepared and they weren't waiting for their master. So yes, that's a possibility. I believe that, number one. Number two, there's going to be a great outpouring in the seven-year tribulation period upon the Jewish nation. This is the time of Jacob's trouble. This is the 70th week of Daniel. God is turning his attention back to the nation of Israel uh, nationalistically um, in their identity, and people are going to get saved. There's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will be saved during the Great Tribulation period that will be used greatly, and the people are going to be getting saved throughout the entirety of Jew and Gentile through the Tribulation period. So there will be a witness of the gospel on the earth during the tribulation period. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, something that um, really struck my attention, I was reading Revelation 14, um, verse yes. 7. It says, I apologize, it wasn't that one. I apologize. It's Revelation 14, um, 12. And it says, okay. This part, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. And that was um, written shortly after he was describing the sulfur that was going to be put on the earth and that it was going to be burning. So it kind of just struck a question of, okay, so then that means that some some of God's people will be present during that time and will have to be patient. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important to understand the distinction of the people of God, right? Because you have have people that have followed God, New Covenant, Old Covenant, uh, and, and as people in covenant with God, we just need to recognize how God has divided people on the earth. He he basically has three categories of people. The first category would be the Jewish nation. The second category would be Gentiles, which would be non-Jews. And then the third category that God identifies in the scriptures is the church. And the church age ends at the rapture of the church. And that doesn't mean God doesn't have people following him anymore. It just means that the dispensation or the time of the church age has ended and God is going into a new dispensation or a new time frame, just like the old covenant ended and the new covenant began. Uh, So there definitely will be, as you even read, the key in Revelation 14 is to make sure that we identify the word saints properly, because it would be easy to say, well, the saints, God uses that word all throughout the New Testament, so it must be the church. Um, mm-hmm. But the context would be those that are following Christ in the tribulation period. Then we have to answer, well, who exactly are they? So thanks for calling. Great pickup on uh, Revelation 14. Yeah, Bless absolutely. you, sister. For your time. Hope Bye. you have a great day. Bye-bye. is the number. You know, sometimes cell phones work really well, and sometimes they don't. Uh, I was reading today that T-Mobile had a big outage today. So I don't know if you guys experienced it here in Denver, but 
there was a huge outage nationwide of T-Mobile. Um, and it just happens. You know, we, we are so reliable on technology. We love technology until it doesn't work. I'm like, oh. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, let's come. We're going to stay in Denver. Nita is online, too. Nita, welcome to the program. I think Nita dropped as well. She wanted prayer. So it says that she wanted prayer for spiritual warfare and the attacks of the enemy. And so let's just read from the scriptures first in Ephesians chapter 6 on spiritual warfare. And then I'm going to pray for you. And let's let the word of God just go forth in power and and let it, re, let it accomplish the purpose for which it was written and sent uh, even today for all of you that are experiencing spiritual warfare. And I would even say that this is also a season of unusual spiritual warfare, just things you've never experienced before. And so in Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so, Father, we pray for Nita as she is experiencing spiritual warfare. I pray that you would help her with the spiritual armor, help her in the battles that she finds herself in, that you would give her wisdom and understanding, uh, that you, God, would fill her afresh with your Holy Spirit, giving her great wisdom and insight of exactly how to handle these difficulties. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All mine, All lines are open, no matter where you are around the country, all throughout Colorado, Wyoming, parts of Nebraska, I want to hear from you guys down in Colorado Springs, maybe in Monument. Grace FM comes in super, super crystal clear in Monument. Got a brand new church plant down in Monument. Um, just a great brother in the Lord, Chris Kroger, and all that God is doing through him. Not only is he accomplished musician, worship leader, but he's a phenomenal pastor, Bible teacher. Shout out to you guys. We'd love to hear from you. Want to hear from you guys in Philadelphia? or New Jersey, or Tennessee, 
and all around the country. You guys, Radio by Grace, you're always faithful calling in. We'd love to hear from you as well. 303-690-3000 is the number. Yesterday, we took a call to end the show from a sister that was looking for a church and frustrated moving to a new community that she couldn't find a church that was consistent with the last church uh, she was attending. And we talked a little bit about it at the end of the show yesterday, but I want to talk a little bit today. If you find yourself in the same position um, that I want to talk in general terms, not necessarily the specifics that she mentioned yesterday, but it is, first of all, I want to acknowledge to you, it's a very difficult situation to be in between churches, especially if you really loved the church you left. Um, It is a good thing to love your church, to serve your church, to feel a sense of community, to spiritually grow, uh, and all all of that. So to leave uh, and go into a new community, or like many people have been going to new states uh, and unable to find a church, uh, it is hard. Number two, and I, I mean, they're not in any particular order, but when you are looking for a church, just understand it won't be like your last church. It won't be like your last one. It's important that you just dismiss that out of the gate. It, it just will not be like the one you left. And until you grasp that, you're gonna. It'll be endless frustration uh, because you'll always be comparing, and comparing is is very difficult. Because let's say the new church has three things better than the last church, and let's say the. Uh, you know, anyway, comparing is going to be, it's just not going to be your last church. It it just won't be it. And it will help for you just to dismiss that um, because God's doing a f- special work in that church you came from, and he will be doing a special work in the church that you're in, uh, in the future. Thirdly, I would ask that you change your thinking second, you know, in a different way to, hey, be in prayer and Go to the church, like uh, like I would obviously recommend uh, uh, in our family of churches at Calvary Chapel, especially if I know and trust the pastor, and I would recommend that you go there because we share so many things in common, so many things similarly. But I know that if you went to, even in our community, if you went to another Calvary in Colorado, it's not going to be like this one. And I'll tell you the na- number one reason, because it's not this one. And I'm not pastoring it. So the God's doing a unique, unique work in the pastor that is pastoring in that city. And that community is different. And that community has a different history and different needs. And so the Holy Spirit's not doing something different. Uh, and you have to adjust. I would ask you to adjust your thinking to the back to a new believer, uh, which which leads me to... The next one, and the, the next one would be, when I was a new believer, and I'll do it, I, I didn't choose my church. God cho- chose it. And as an adult, I've only been in two churches, and I didn't choose either one of them. I can say with absolute certainty that God chose them for me. And I trust him to choose the church for me that my family needs to be in. And I can say I've been in this church for 22 years, and it is not perfect. And there are things that could be different or should be different. Or it's it's not a perfect church. And I'm not leaving. <laughs> well, Ed, it's not perfect because you're pastoring it. Exactly. 
You're right. But it's imperfect. So was the church I came from in California. It was imperfect. My pastor, imperfect. Everybody, imperfect. However, God used that church and uses this church to disciple me, to cause me to depend upon him, cause me to appreciate him, to love. It, it, you know, let's just say there's difficult people, difficult situations. I'm difficult to some people, all of that. Okay, so now it, it gives me opportunity to learn how to love. It gives me an opportunity to learn how to change myself and learn and grow and be conformed in the image of Christ. So churches aren't supposed to meet all of our criteria. Understand that. Churches are not supposed to, and we didn't get to go over this with the sister at the end of the show yesterday, but I don't, it's kind of a consumer mindset. Like the churches have to meet all of our criteria. They don't have to meet all of our criteria. And here's the criteria that any healthy church should meet. You ready? Number one. Does the church, well, I just did this in the, in the book of Acts when we were studying uh, in the book of Acts, and I, I picked this acronym up from Pastor Greg Laurie, and then I made it my own and shared it in this, and, I, and we did a couple, uh, a couple of Bible studies on a church that is well. Actually, we did four studies, <laughs> a church that is well, four parts to it, and we used the word well as an acronym, so that we could think of each of those four uh, letters. W, is it a worshiping church? Do they worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? E, is it an evangelistic church? Are they reaching the community, ministering to the community, sharing the gospel? L, is it a loving church? And obviously, we want to be filled with the agape love of God. And then finally, the next L is, is it a learning church? And we got that from Acts 2.42, uh, that you... Um, Continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. And and those characteristics should be in every church. I did four studies. If you want me, uh, you want to hear those studies, you can go online, get them on our website or our app, or I'll send you the links for them if you want. Um, I can send you a link to where they're at, and you can get them. Just text me. I'll send them to you. But here's the deal. The way that the last two years has gone with covid political craziness, uh, churches that, you know, as, as my, I, I, I don't like this word at all. I'm going to use it for the sake of illustration, but I do not like it because I do not believe name calling is biblical in the sense of trying to bring peace and unity. Because immediately Jesus, somebody's going to say, but Jesus called them, uh, the Pharisees, whitewashed tombs. You know, what do you mean? And Paul, uh, you know, called, what's his name? And so you go ahead and search hard and low in the scripture so you can be a name caller. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's spiritual. I don't think it's walking in the spirit. Jesus obviously was a unique example, and Paul uh, apologized for it. So just in case you use the Bible that way. But I want to use the word woke. It's being thrown around so much right now. It, it It's just not a good word to use. So yeah, there have always been so-called churches teaching false doctrine. Well, let's just deal with the false doctrine. There's always been false churches in our community that have not held to the standards of Scripture. Okay, well, we can say that that church doesn't hold to the standard of Scripture, or they are caving to the culture, or there's a lot of ways to describe something that might be more beneficial in building a bridge to someone, right? Remember what, what the, the, the Scriptures say uh, when it comes to... Uh, a, a, a leader to avoid arguments. Um, he talked about, I think it was Paul writing to Timothy. He said, um, 
in Second Timothy 2.24, he says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle. And I don't think yelling, you woke, you guys are just a woke church. I don't think that's very gentle or very kind at all. The church may have challenges, uh, and they may not even be a real church, and I can accept that. But then let's speak to the teachings, and let's speak to the reality instead of broad brushing with the name because, you know, the it's just not helpful. So when you use that word, and I don't even know how we learned, how did the church, how in the world did Christians learn to use that word to begin with? But pastors taught them how to use that word. And where did pastors learn how to use that word? From the world and the culture. And so if you kind of compare churches, well, you know, there's so many woke churches. There's always been churches that not represented Jesus Christ, that from from the book of from the first century there were false teachers. Paul warns in the book of Acts before he ever writes a letter to any of the established churches, he warns of false teachers and people that were undermining faith. So like I shared with our church last night, you know, what do you expect the world to do? They're going to act like the world and they're going to infiltrate the church. In the early church, you had uh, Ananias and Sapphira coming in with hypocrisy. False teachings abound. And so we're not looking for churches that aren't something. We're looking for churches that are something. Keep that in mind. We're not looking for churches that aren't something. We're looking for churches that are. Does it? Does that pastor love God? Is he, is he a shepherd's heart living a sacrificial life? Does he teach the Bible? And of course, I would say that you should be in a church that teaches through the Bible and just doesn't use the Bible and obviously teaches sound doctrine. But the style of the teaching, the environment of the teaching, you know, yesterday part of the conversation was, you know, well, this church still wears masks. And, and so... I worship, we worship just fine with face coverings. Some people are still concerned. Um, you know, maybe we, what I like to do with, is I see the men and women around our fellowship wearing face coverings, I just like to ask them. And I just would love to know why they're doing it. And the explanations have been glorious. They have a compromised mom that they're taking care of at home, or they've already had COVID. They don't want it again. Or if we were in an Asian culture, they're wearing face coverings all of the time because of the smog and the diff. I mean, I remember taking a bus when I was ministering with our, or not a bus, but a water taxi with uh, our pastor in uh, Bangkok. And we were standing right next to the engine and the exhaust. And we wore, I covered my face. I'm like, this is nasty. And so when you're looking for a church, don't look for what it isn't. Look for what it is. Do they love God? Do they serve? Do do they, are they sacrificial? And you know, if, if they're compromising doctrinally, don't go there. If they're compromising culturally where it's undermining the gospel, not style, but just like they're undermining the gospel, don't go there. Teaching falsely, don't go there. But these other things, consider not what the church is going to do for you, but what does God want to do through you as you join a local fellowship? And of course, the reality is, is driving is, you know, I remember a little bumper sticker that I saw in Southern California we never made it here, uh, never made stickers here, but it makes sense. A church alive is worth the drive. And, and you know, Marie and I drove uh, a long way to go, go to our home church when we were in California for eight years because that's where God called us. That's where he planted us. And so I know I took a little excursion here, but I really felt like I needed to. We're going to get back to Florida in a moment, uh, and then we're going to go 
uh, to Castle Rock after that, uh, after the break. So we're coming up on a break, but um, God does not want us wandering around and God does not want us being critics. God desires us to walk in humility, showing preference to one another and um, truly loving one another in Christ. And he doesn't want us wandering around for whatever good reason we might have, like the children of Israel did in the wandering in the wilderness, because we're going to end up dying in the wilderness. He wants us planted like Psalm 1, that we would be planted by the rivers of water so we could give forth our fruit in due season. And that, that was just a great discussion yesterday, and I'm, I wanted to clarify... Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. Uh, Grateful that you have chosen to join us. Uh, 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. And had to, sorry, sorry, had to close the door. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, but I want to go right to Florida because he has a question consistent with what I was just sharing. Hey, Mark, on line two in Florida, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Did you Were you hearing the uh, the, the little input I did on finding a church? Hey, man, yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome, man. It's like God speaking to my heart. That was so good. Where um, are you at in Florida, exactly? I'm actually in uh, Margate. Oh, I live no. in Margate, but I actually work at Coral Springs. Okay, there's a great... Florida. I mean, Fort Calvary Fort Lauderdale has so many campuses in that whole area. Um, right. That would be a great beginning point. And then, and then talking to one of the pastors there, they're probably familiar with the good, solid churches in the area. But, I mean, Calvary Fort Lauderdale is a, is a great church. Okay, because yeah, I was I was just um, I, I lived in Orlando and I was in good ministry and stuff, you know, and uh, I kind of moved down here a little bit in uh, South Florida, and I've gone to some churches, but I've gotten like disappointed in them a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, it, so, so I've done no. a lot of stuff on my own, you know, studying every day, you know, hearing the word every day, trying to, you know, keeping, you know, things close with the Lord and stuff. And, uh, I love, I just love, you know, to go out and share, you know, especially with those that are brokenhearted, you know, and, and, you know, that's what we're all called to do, you know? So I kind of miss that, you know, the fellowship and everything, you know, sure. Uh, you know, God has been so good to me, you know, he has blessed me so much, you know, and, uh, I, I just, you know, I just, I need direction. That's all. And, you know, where, you know, find a good church down here. Yeah, you know, and I, I want to point out to you, too, that not being in a home church and kind of being disillusioned, disappointed, that's all spiritual, man. That's spiritual warfare to get you in a habit that was different from the habit you had up north, where you were fruitful, you were faithful, you, you were committed, you were submitted, and now you're kind of wandering, and God says, no more. Plug into a church. Every church is going to disappoint you. 
every church is going to, uh, it's better to be looking for a church while you're in a church than to be on the sidelines and just know that, Hey, part of, part of church life is difficulty. I, I was, I haven't, I had an interview with someone that's going to join our school staff last night. And I always remind people you're, you're not, this is not heaven. So because it's not heaven, we're just going to be wrestling and struggling with stuff. And, and I know that God want it. It's not that you need the church. Just it's not that you. It's not just that you need the church. The church needs you because you're a vital part of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, Father. You, I pray brother. for my brother God, and just in looking for the right church, and even everything that we were sharing uh, earlier, it's it, it's true, God. We there's such a spiritual battle for church life, especially when we move to a new community. So we just pray that you would lead my brother and many others, a sister yesterday, um, that would plug into a church that's, that that um, loves you, emphasizes the grace of God, teaches through the word, open to the power of the Holy Spirit, resolves the problems that occur every day, and that, God, you would be encouraged that you would encourage my brother while he waits and get him back into church even as soon as this Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. Okay, Thank man. You for Bye-bye. My call. Thank you. Amen. Bye-bye. Yeah, you know, it's a spiritual battle. I'm glad that it's coming up because post-COVID, this, you know, the, the articles are like, nobody's coming back to church. That's not true, but a lot of people have fallen off. Uh, a lot of people have created new habits. A lot of people have been disillusioned um, by, you know, some of the scandals. Like it's been super scandalous lately, too. Um, large churches, large denominations, uh, just scandal after scandal. It's like a, like a, it's like a, what's the word I want to use? Like a pointed, calculated attack. Demonic is a spirit behind it. On top of, uh, let me not minimize, on top of the, known uncovered sin right because the enemy can get to the leadership of a church he'll just jack it all up so i don't in any way minimize the sin that's been revealed but i also don't want to overlook the calculated spiritual uh attack because then you think oh look you know such and such is uh sexual abuse so therefore every church not no way not even in in denomination or that particular church. Look at what that what that pastor did, and they were just all showy and you know all this stuff. It, like as if nothing they ever did was good, or now the music they produce is no good, or the salvations that happen. No, no, that's not true. That's not entirely true. Like there was just sin in the camp, just like with Joshua. I was reading. I'm reading Joshua um, this this week for my devos, and I was reminded again about sin in the camp. Sin in the camp didn't mean Joshua was in sin, um, but there was sin in the camp. It needed to be dealt with. I think of Acts chapter 5, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, sin in the camp. But it didn't mean the apostles were in sin. And then chapter 6, complaining and uh, murmuring widows. Well, yeah, there was problems, but it didn't mean everybody was. And so it's just there's a sinister calculated attack. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. That's going on to Castle Rock. Brock, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. How old are you? Um, I'm 11. 
right on. That's cool that 11, 11 years old, you're asking Bible questions. Glad you called. Yeah. What's Thanks up? Thanks for answering my call. You're welcome. Okay, so my question is, after Jesus died on the cross, where did he go for the three days? So instantly, when Jesus left his body in the tomb, he went to a place the Bible describes as Hades. Hades was had two compartments. One was a compartment where unbelievers went, and one was a compartment where believers went waiting for Jesus to die on the cross. You know, everybody that was in the Old Testament, you know, you know, are you familiar with people like Noah? Do you know Noah? In the Bible, have you heard of Noah? Yes, I have. And how about Daniel? Have you heard of Daniel? Yes, I have. Yeah, so guys like that, they went out because they were in relationship with God, but the blood of Jesus hadn't been shed yet. So they went to the paradise side, <clears throat> what's known as Abraham's bosom in the Bible. And so immediately after Jesus left his body, he went to deliver them, take them into the presence, and he spent all three days in the presence of the Father. And then he returned to his body in the resurrected glory. Wow. So we're talking like seconds, like, like you know, you can snap your finger. And he went to release the captives, set the captives free. They, have, they get to now fully enjoy the fullness of heaven and the presence of God. And that's where Jesus went. And then he returned at the appropriate time to, re, to, to resurrect in his body and... Now he's now in his resurrected body, he's ascended into heaven where he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's so cool. It is cool. So tell me what are you gonna do with your time off of school? What's your hab what's kind of what's your habit? Do you read your Bible and pray every day? Yeah, I'm working on I'm reading the purpose driven life. Okay, what chapter are you in? Um, I started a few days ago. Okay, what do you think about? How many pages have you read? I'm at like 40. Wow, that's great. What's the beginning? Uh, Rick Warren is the one that wrote that, and he talked about, like, does it, is there a phrase that he shares at the beginning, like your life has purpose, or he has a phrase. Do do you know what phrase I'm talking about? No. Okay, I'm going to see, because it's really a neat thing that he does to get your mind on... Uh, knowing that God really wants to use you and he really has a purpose for your life. And let me see if I can find that saying. Uh, It has been many, many years since I read that book. Uh, But here's what I want you to do. If when you finish that book, call me back and let's talk about it. Okay. Like if anything pops out of it, and if you finish that book and and you call me back, so I do the show on Wednesdays and Thursdays, um, you call me back with with something you highlight or something to talk about, I if you finish the book as my gift to you, I will send you something else to read that I think will really bless you. Thank you. That, that's going to be fun. Yeah, so it gives you kind of a goal. And I don't know what the book will be yet, but I'll pray about it. I'll pray for, I'm going to write it down right here so I can remember. Um, and I'll think of a book that would bless uh, bless you 
but the deal is you have to finish it and at least talk to me about one thing you learned. Deal? Deal. Okay. Can I pray for you? Yes. Okay, Father, I thank you for this conversation with Brock and and just such a neat, um, at, at such a young age, his heart is captured to want to follow you, to want to grow in your grace and want to understand your purpose for his life. And so I pray, God, that you would strengthen him and fill him with your Holy Spirit. And I look forward to hearing how you use this book in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, one one more thing, Brock. You ready? Yep. Even though you're reading this book, don't let it replace reading your Bible and praying every day. That's more important than the purpose-driven life, okay? Yes. And so if you're not already reading your Bible every day, you can just open up and start reading in the Gospel of John and just follow Jesus in his life and read the Bible first, then read other books, okay? Yes. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. You know, I was, um, uh, you know, the tragedy that happened uh, at in Texas uh, at Robb Elementary School has caused a national debate again, of course, even a global debate, and and everybody has an opinion. But I was reading an opinion today, and I, I, I enjoyed the article. Um, I wish I would have bookmarked it now. I didn't know I'd be talking about it but they it was it was just talking about parents involved in their kids lives and so parents i'm 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 asking you and exhorting you to be involved in your kids lives no matter what some of you immediately go i am already or some of you go you don't understand how hard it is with my kid and you know whatever response you come from that just do it uh, because I think that is our responsibility, but I, I also know that not only do we need it to be in our lives, like Deuteronomy says, talking about the Word of God all around the house and living it out, but but also, you know, helping kids navigate through a difficult world, giving them, you don't want your kids to be discipled by TikTok. Um, you know, I grew up on the streets. I learned I learned life on the streets. I mean, I wasn't homeless, but like my, I, I was a latchkey kid, like most kids in my neighborhood. My parents were working and I just lived on the streets and we just hung out on the streets and, and I learned everything on the streets. Well, the streets today, TikTok and uh, not everything on TikTok is bad, of course, Instagram, Facebook, but some, it, it, some of it can be. And, you know, if you're, if your kids are going to be a part of that, then, um, you know, help them process it, disciple them. Um, help them with what they're seeing and what they're going through and what they're exposed to and talk to them about it, especially if they're in the public schools. And um, one pastor put it this way. Um, uh, it's uh, at, He says this, at the beginning, just talking about um, the children of Israel, but then he comes to, um, he comes to, Parenting. Okay, so um, let me read it to you. At the beginning of the conquest of the promised land, all of Israel and those in their company stopped to hear the word. Have your kids heard the word? The tremendous task before us is to read and discuss the word of God with our kids over and over, day after day. We don't have time, you might say, 
There are battles to fight and wars to win and little league games to play and staff meetings to attend. And in the biblical Joshua could have easily said the same thing, but he realized that if we're not talking to our kids about the word of God, then we're missing the mark completely. And the stakes are getting higher because we're living in the last days. Dark will get darker and the dangers will become greater. Mom and dad, if you care about your son and daughter, you will take the responsibility seriously. It's a big mistake to assume our kids know the word. That's why Joshua said, I know you're anxious to conquer the land. I know you can't wait to drive out the enemy so you can settle in and grow your crops and enjoy your family. But we're stopping here to go over the word again. And the pastor goes on to say, the word will be plastered on the wall of your soul and imprinted in your mind if you take the time to review it time after time after time, end quote. And so just a great reminder, if you have influence in your children's life, use it. And if you're a grandparent and you have influence in your grandkids' life, first of all, I want you to know that's a, that's a privilege because not all grandparents are allowed to be a part of their grandkids' lives, which is absolutely wrong and it stinks, but it's the way it is. And, and so if you have influence in the children in your life, then please point them to the Lord, be in the word with them, give them gifts uh, surrounding the word of God, talk to them about the word, pray with them about the word, give them the example of a God-loving man or a God-loving woman. And I know the Lord will honor that. Let's come back to Colorado. Michael in Boulder, Colorado, Mm -hmm. welcome to the program. Hey, um, I've called in a few times. Um, I had just had a question. So a little context, um, close friend of mine, um, I, I walked away from Christ when I was young. Um, she brought me back to Christ um, when I was an unbeliever. And then now, um, you know, she's been with Christ most of her life, but I feel like, or I know that she's become an unbeliever now in this season. And I feel like I'm trying to like, um, you know, just give her some like wise counsel, I guess you could say. Um, uh-huh. Basically the question was, um, like, she has a hard time loving God and following Christ because, um, you know, not everyone can be saved. And some people come from really hard backgrounds where, you know, it makes it where they just have a really crummy life as a pair, as compared to others. And so I was yes. just, um, yeah, I was just wondering if you had a good word to say about that, you know? Well, I'm not, I, I don't agree with, and so I want to, I want to pull out one of the phrases you said when you ask the question, why, why everyone can't be saved, um, everyone has an, has an equal chance to be saved, even though the mechanism of them hearing the gospel will be different, so that there isn't anyone that's ever lived that will be able to say, God, you didn't give me a chance. So salvation is available to all, but it's only experienced by some. It would be the same as if I, I put a $100 bill out in front of your house and you walk right by it. Um, you could have had that $100 bill, but you chose to walk by it. And that's how it is with salvation. People can can come to the Lord. They can repent of their sins. They can choose to follow him, but they don't. Um, so it is available to them. To the second part, though, of your question, you know, the, you're right. Uh, the more I talk to people, the more I get to serve them and minister to them, people come. People have experienced really, really bad, difficult circumstances. And oftentimes those bad, difficult circumstances will harden a person's heart toward God. 
And again, we can't control the circumstances that come into our lives. You know, the bad things that happen to us. I mean, obviously we could probably control the things that we might do ourselves. Um, but we can control, even though the, the bad circumstances that we face, you know, we can't control, we can't control how we respond to them. And that's the important part. Uh, we could, we, we, we live with, you know, some of the hurtful things and, um, situations that people have, we live in a victim based society where if you get stuck in a victim mentality, then it's you against the world, not you in particular, but a person, you know, it's me. Look at me. Woe is me. Everything happens to me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. And that's never a position of humility. It's actually a position of pride. Um, because Jesus said that God blesses believers and unbelievers alike and bad things happen to believers and unbelievers alike. And the real question is how will we respond? Mind if I take it a step further? Sure. Absolutely. Please. Um, okay. So I guess this is also another two part question. Um, so I, I'm not fluent in the Bible. I, I feel like I know quite a bit, but, um, okay. like, uh, you know, there's maybe children that are innocent that, you know, get their lives taken at a young age that didn't have the choice to follow Jesus, or even so much as, um, you know, people before Christ came. Um, what could you say about that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there's, I go into this in depth, even, even broadening that question to, to include people that, you know, live in the deep, dark jungles of, of the Amazon and know right. a different language. I, and you can listen to that, or you can text me and I'll send you a link to it. Um, and just ask for that question. What about those who have never heard? And, and I spent a whole 45, man, I don't even remember how long the study was answering that question. Cause it's a good question and it deserves it a good answer. But on, on a simple level, you know, for a phone call like this, um, we have to, we have to step back for a second and, and, and answer that question this way. We do believe God is fair, right? Yeah, I agree. And we do believe he's just, and we do yep. believe he's made, um, provision um, for salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. So knowing that, I believe that, and many Bible scholars believe that there is an age of accountability, right? If God is going to be just and fair, then he's not going to hold something against someone that they don't understand. You know, I also right. think of those that might be, that might have uh, challenges and, and disabilities uh, and mental, um, you know, brain injuries and that, that are unable to process like you and I. And, and so I fall back on, no, God's going to be fair with them. I, I, yeah. God's going to be absolutely fair with them. And he's, I don't believe, and we don't see an example in the scriptures of God holding anyone accountable uh, for something they don't, don't understand. And, yeah. and so we know that God is able to bring understanding. We know God is able to bring clarity. And for kiddos, I think that you know, if they are not in a place of understanding, God's going to treat them as such, and and He's going to show mercy upon them, and the grace of God will be able to cover them. And those that died before Christ, um, the the reality of the of even we studied this um, even before there was Judaism and the formalization of the law and the covenant of Moses, even before any of that happened, in Genesis chapter six, or even in Genesis chapter five with Cain and Abel. There was an established way of worshiping God properly and improperly, and it was common knowledge. Even before Cain and Abel in the garden, there was a relational, there was a connection relationally with God that was established and acknowledged. So people, the Bible, will, the Bible says in Romans that there, you and I are without excuse. 
And it may be different how he reaches different people, but we are without excuse when it comes to our ability to respond to the revelation that God has given to us. For example, and I, I, okay, I got a couple minutes. Let me just give you a quick summary of the Bible study I gave. If you and I, you and I were stuck in the deep, dark jungle together, okay? So travel with me. We're going to travel, get on a plane. They're going to drop us off in the middle of a, of, a, of a very vegetative jungle and give us two machetes. Okay, you with me? Are you with me? You still there? Yes, I am. Can okay, so we're, so we're back to back. Our goal, it's a game show, and our goal is to get out. But we can't right. see anything, nothing. It is pitch black, cannot see anything. But you and I come up with a plan, and the plan is this. You go with your machete, and I want you to start cutting that way, Michael. I'll start cutting this way, and if any, either one of us sees any kind of light, we will yell to each other because we know if there's a little light, if we keep cutting, there's going to be more light, right? Does that make sense? If we respond to the little bit of light, like if, the, if we cut through and there's a little bit of light from the sun, that tells us that's the way out. We're going to follow yeah. the light, right? Yeah, right. Okay, so you're cutting, I'm cutting, and, I, and we've been cutting for an hour, and then all of a sudden I hear Michael say, Ed, Ed, it's over here. I found the light. And I'm like, you're crazy, Michael. I don't believe you. I've been, I'm already an hour this way. I don't want, like, no. I'm not going right. with you. No, bro, you got to go, man. I'm telling you. And there's animals coming. We got to go now. And I'm like, forget you, Michael. I'm keeping cutting this way in the dark. Who's responsible for that? The person that is heading me. towards the dark. Yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> me. When I hear you say there's a way out, it doesn't even matter if it's the smallest way out and I refuse it, then I'm responsible for it. And so think about the light that God has given to a dark world. He's given the light of creation. And what has man done with it? He's created philosophies and godless theories that replace him. And they right. run away from the light. Yep. Not only that, he's given every human being on the planet Earth a, what, what some people call a moral compass, but what you and I call a conscience. There is an innate ability that God has given to every human because we're created in his image to know right from wrong. And you don't need a law and you don't need the Bible to know that some things are right and some things are wrong. And if with those two things, realizing that there's someone bigger than us, there's a there's a, these little pinpricks of light. If we refuse to follow them, then we're responsible for shutting down what God has revealed to us because the greatest light that God has sent is his son, Jesus Christ. And remember what they did to him? They killed him. They torturously murdered the brightest light ever to walk on the planet Earth, salvation by Jesus Christ through his blood, his his life, death, and resurrection. And that's a summary. I it, I go into it much depth in that Bible study. Yeah. Hey, um, thank you so much, uh, wise words. Uh, Good questions. They're, they're, they're anointed, man. You're, you're so awesome. Thank you so much. Bless you, brother. Bye-bye. Yeah, take care. Uh, we're coming up to the end of the show. I'm sorry in Tennessee, Jackie. Why don't preachers preach on hell? I have no idea. Jesus spoke about money and hell more than just about anything else other than the love and grace of Jesus. So I don't know why they don't preach on hell. Um, but w since we teach through the Bible, uh, every verse, through every book, we teach on hell every time it's mentioned. And when the gospel is given, remember, no matter what you've done, God can forgive you. Let's say you've messed up. 
Jesus Christ came to die on the cross. Why? To forgive us of our sins. Because we have broken God's commandments. And we have fallen short of God's standards. And God has given, come to give us eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do to fix it. Nothing we can do with our own works that we will spend eternity in heaven with Christ by faith as we accept his forgiveness of our sins. But if we choose to reject his forgiveness, we'll spend eternity separate from God in what many people refer to as hell, but the Bible will refer to it as Gehenna, the lake of fire. You guys listening, it is not God's will for you to be in an eternal state apart from him. He desires for you to live with him forever. And if today you're hearing his voice, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Go to our website, calvaryco.church or our radio website, gracefm.com and there's a how to know God button. And you can go to the website of whatever station you're listening to this on. We all believe the same thing. And we want to see you for all of eternity. And so pray and ask God to forgive you. Submit your life to him. Repent of your sins and be converted by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. Hey, we'll see you guys in church this weekend. Go to Calvary CO. It stands for Colorado. CalvaryCO.church. All the information is there. We meet Saturday nights, Sunday morning, online, on the radio. We'd love to worship with you. Bless you guys. Have a great weekend in the Lord. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.